God bless you, everyone. My name is David Ewan, and I head up the Bravehearted Ministry at the Resurrection Center. Welcome. And today's topic is spiritual house cleaning. Today, we're going to talk about eight topics, and those eight topics are what ministers do, organizations of a church, understanding 1 Timothy chapter 3, responsibilities and disciplines, knowing false ministers, character and integrity. We'll talk about being fat, and let me tell you, that's nuts. And we'll talk about being a disciple. So let's begin with what being a Christian means. You see, we become a Christian by the work of the Holy Spirit. Say to yourself, Holy Spirit. But our maturity in Christ and how we practice our faith is determined by the choices we make from the conviction and confidence of our beliefs. We choose to take the faith that God gives and make it more real and effective. We choose to make the right choices or not, so we have no excuse when our life is messed up by neglect or poor choices. It's as simple as that. You see, the Bible calls us to a higher level of excellence than that of others around us. One of truth, love, honesty, and functionality. This integrity in action, it is the implementation of God's ways in the practice of our daily Christian lives. We are adhering to his rules, morals, teachings, and principles. Again, we are adhering to God's rules, morals, teachings, and principles. Ministers of the church are held accountable for their character, integrity, the actions, and the words, the words that come out of their mouth. You see, that's what we're talking about today. So now let me tell you about what, what do we mean by ministers. Well, let me first tell you about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that helps us answer that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. The scripture reads, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. It tells you that. I'll say it again. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That's why it's called a fivefold ministry. Now that we know about ministers, let's talking let's talk about teachings and principles. And the teachings and principles that come out of the Bible dictate a way of life. Here's why. If we have an attitude of us and them, that causes division. Division causes debate. Debate causes conflict. Conflict causes confusion. Confusion causes violence. Violence causes ignorance. Ignorance equals departed from God. Departed from God is lost. So, going back to the beginning of the chain, if we have this us-versus-them attitude, then we're already lost. So the job is for the ministers is to bring the lost back to God through the teachings and principles. It's a huge responsibility that requires a calling. Where does that calling come from? God. See, a calling has a greater accountability for the four things we talked about before. Character, that's your behavior. Integrity, that's your trustworthiness. 
Actions, that's what people see you do. Words, that's what people hear you say. So now I'm going to tell you a short story. This is a great little short story. You see, when I was a little boy, I was a little kid, so my father taught me how to sweep the garage. And when he saw what I was doing, he said that I was relocating the problem. There was a pile of dirt over here, and I just sort of swept it and moved it over there so that over here it was clean, and over there, that's where the problem was. He said I was relocating the problem. So as I fixed one area, the problem was moved to the other area. See, he showed me to sweep the edges first, and the middle takes care of itself. That way you have one simple pile. So by me focusing on the edges, I was focusing on what was, at the time, not obvious to me. But the edge is most important and often ignored. If you ignore something, you are ignorant. It means you didn't know. So my father asked me, what are the two ways to do a job? And the answer to that is the right way and the wrong way. See, the wrong way is through ignorance. The right way is to not relocate the problem. So we don't relocate the problems in our lives. We don't push them from one area to another. We solve the problem. So the right way puts you head on into the problem instead of ignoring it. See, it's like ministry, right? See, there's two ways to do it, the right way and the wrong way. A minister must head into the problem through and not ignore the Holy Spirit and the teaching and principles of the Bible. See, that's the edge. That's the part that we often ignore. We can't do that. So we must head into the problem and not ignore the Holy Spirit and not ignore the teachings and principles of the Bible. We must use the Holy Spirit. We must use the teachings and principles of the Bible. So with a minister, the burden of responsibility includes a personal stewardship. Say, your, say to yourself the word stewardship. So again, it goes back to your character, which is the behavior and lifestyle, your integrity, that's uh, the trustworthiness that you have, your actions, that's what people see you do, and the words, it's what people hear you say. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you about is pastoral epistles. You can think of it as an email, a text, or a WhatsApp, whatever it is. It's a letter. The idea is that the first and second of Timothy, along with the book of Titus, are known as the pastoral epistles. And the reason why, it's they consist largely of pastoral advice on how to deal with the problems in churches. Okay, so Timothy was working in Ephesus and Titus was working in Crete. We're not going to talk about Titus. Our focus today is Timothy. So anyways, these three epistles, these three letters, have a lot in common with each other. In 1 Timothy, Paul, who has gone on to Macedonia, see, Paul's gone to one way, and he asked Timothy to remain in Ephesus in order to deal with the false teachers that have arisen there. And that's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Uh, in a previous broadcast, we, had, we reviewed that. Um, now let's talk about how a church leadership is organized. I'm going to break it down for you. You see, in Christianity, 
A minister is a person authorized by a church or other religious organizations to perform functions such as teachings of beliefs, leading services such as weddings, baptisms, or funerals, or otherwise, providing spiritual guidance to the community. That's what a minister is. A pastor performs one main task, caring for the people who are members of the church in the same way that a shepherd cares for sheep. A minister can be a pastor, but a minister can also be a priest, teacher, bishop, healer, evangelist, prophet, and several other things as well. Okay, we talked about the fivefold ministries. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to read that scripture again. And again, that is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Okay, uh, so that's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow. Now we're going to talk about the qualifications. The qualifications for church leadership. That's in First of Timothy verse uh, First of Timothy chapter three. First of Timothy chapter three, and I am going to read uh, verse three through ten. Okay, so I will read the scripture. Okay, actually, I'll read through. Uh, I will read through twelve. Uh, but here it is, uh, verse three. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace in, into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons, which are like ministers, are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Verse 10, they must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Verse 11, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children in his household well. Those who served well 
gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So let's talk about what those qualifications are. Above uh, reproach. Number one, above reproach. That means do not act with the expression of disapproval or disappointment. None of this rolling of the eyes or this, you know, snapping the tongue. Um, That's what above reproach is. Um, Number two, faithful to his wife. That means no adultery, no unfaithfulness. Number three, temperate. That means showing a moderation or self-restraint. Self-control. That means the ability to manage your actions, feelings, and emotions. Number five, being respectable. That means regarded by society to be good, proper, or correct. The reason why I say regarded by society, it's not just in your house, but outside your house where people see you. Uh, Hospitable, friendly and welcoming to strangers or guests. So be friendly to the people you know and be friendly to the people you don't know. Number seven, able to teach, able to pass on knowledge to future generations. Number eight, not given to drunkenness. Okay to have a drink, but do not fall into drunkenness. Number nine, not violent, but gentle. And that relates to that outward behavior. Number 10, not quarrelsome. This means not moody and positioned into constant argument. Number 11, not a lover of money. Um, That relates to financial greed and financial selfishness. Number 12, he must manage his own family well. That means be a good provider. Number 13, he must not be a recent comfort, or he may become conceited and fall under the the same judgment as the devil. Uh, That means he must be firm in the faith. Number 14, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace into the devil's trap. Outsiders are people who are not of the faith. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the actions from the behaviors as defined in what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, let's see, for the, the point one, he must preach the gospel at all times. That means to glorify God, preach the word, surrender uh, to the will of God, preach for souls and not personal gain, and be disciplined and not and accountable for your actions. Now, point number two, you must be ser- a servant to all people. That relates to having a sense of obligation, serving with compassion, be versatile, and serve with God's priorities. And point number three, you must be disciplined in all situations. So you must serve with judgment in view. You must serve with scripture in view and must serve with others in view. Okay, now let's talk about the church body. We're going to talk about the responsibilities of the church body, not just the ministers, but the church body. So we've talked a little bit about ministers. Now we're going to talk about the church body. Okay, the church body must do three things. One, receive, two, submit, and three, follow. Okay, Uh, let me break that down. In number one, It's to receive the word and obey it. Okay, we learn that in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Number two, submit to his leadership. And that's in Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 7, and also 17. And number three, follow his Christ-like example. And that is in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 11, verse 1. So again, the church body must receive, submit, and follow. So receive the word, submit to the word, and follow the Christ-like example. You see, the Apostle Paul provided extensive theological encouragement to Timothy and told him to stand strong on the truth in the battle of spiritual warfare. He also sent instruction on a number of topics, such as prayer and watching out for false teachers. Now, you hear about the false teachers, but a teacher is part of the fivefold ministry. So when I say teacher, I'm also talking about a minister. So say to yourself, false ministers, we don't want to see them. False ministers, we don't want to see them. Number nine, how to find and recognize a false minister. How to find and recognize a false minister. Well, number one, it could be you see the seriousness and the deceitfulness of the error of their ways. Actions speak louder than words. If you discern a serious degree of deceitfulness, then that's a flag. The size of the audience is growing. Is it growing? If the size of the audience at a church is growing rapidly, then I would ask yourselves, are people flocking to that congregation for the reason of the pastor or the reason of God's word? Because the way I see it, people are hesitant to follow God's will. So that would be a flag. The size of the audience is a growing. Number three, the duration of their ministry. Did they make one blunder or are they constantly doing it? Are they growing or are they constantly making mistakes? Do you see glory to glory to glory or do you see failure, failure, failure? Number four, the vulnerability of the people for whom you are responsible. You know, a congregation, the members of a church in today's times are very, very fragile. They can easily be tricked and swayed. They can be deceived. They can be manipulated for selfish reasons. So if they're still like that, that means they haven't grown. See, a minister operating a church should be able to create leaders out of a church not babies. And number five, the role you have in influencing shepherds who really need to be discerning for who the false teachers are. See, the ministers should be able to recognize who the false teachers are. Next, I'm going to talk about the importance of character in Christ. See, the Bible teaches that one of our primary responsibilities is to know, love, and follow Jesus, is to teach the body of Christ to be like Jesus in character. See, Jesus was our model. Character development is a lifelong process. The problem is that because of our sinful nature and the negative influence of the world that we live in, if we aren't intentional about teaching character, sadly, it is very easy to raise children of God that look nothing like Jesus. And who is going to want to know about Jesus if we can't demonstrate 
his character and love to others. So we must be intentional to develop these character traits in our children growing up in the church. Now let's look at true character. Let's take a look at that. And of them, uh, there are there are five. There are five. Number one, demonstrate the godly character yourself. See, actions speak louder than words. Number two, pray for godly characters. This is a good reminder to start every morning asking Jesus to fill us with the fruit of his spirit and to help us to be great examples. Number three, choose one character trait to work on at a time. See, character has a big spectrum to it. Break it up. For example, focus on the character of integrity. Uh, number four, practice, practice, practice character. Ask God about certain situations that will come up later in the day and ask how you should respond with the targeted character trait. And number five, reinforce character traits to make them stick. Positive reinforcements and words of affirmation can go a long way to encourage godly character to stick around. Now I'm going to take a moment to talk about the character of integrity. The character of integrity exhibits the obedience and practice of the moral code of ethics, morals, values, and precepts from God's words. In practice, integrity will produce honor, truth, and reliability. It will allow one to keep his or her word and do the best, even when no one else is aware. This is essential for deeper relationships and, of course, for developing other people's confidence in you and Christianity. See, integrity is considered the very basics and application of character. It is the demonstration of who we are in Christ and that our faith is real and backed up with our attitude and word. The absence of integrity is an indication that we as Christians are perhaps fakes and frauds at worst and ineffective and useless at best. Jesus calls us into integrity, which means we are able to be true to our word as a testimony to our faith in him. We are not to be worldly with our words or the veracity of our virtue and character. Everything we do as a child of God must be integrity truthfulness, and honesty, as we are representing God who is living in us through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's ask the question, is the character of integrity working in you? Is it? So, some questions to ask yourself are, how do I exhibit integrity in my daily life? How can I better develop a willingness to possess more integrity? What blocks integrity from working and being exhibited in me? How can I make integrity function better, stronger, faster, even in times of uncertainty and stress? Now, let me tell you, we are in this together. Now, at the Resurrection Center, at the altar, we see what is on the altar. It says, worship the king. And I say amen to that. So what is king? Keep in need of God. And what is God? 
good orderly direction. Amen. And what's amen? Almighty eternal name. We're always worshiping the king. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you is we need to be big and fat. And I know this sounds like nuts, but to be firm as ministers and as a stronger body of the Christ, we need to be big and fat. And I tell you, it is nuts. And I'll tell you why. Big, B-I-G, we must be believing in God. B-I-G, believing in God. And some of the skills we need to have are fat, F-A-T. We need to have the faith. We need to be available. And we need to be trainable. So that's fat. And yes, being big and fat sounds nuts. Why? N-U-T-S. Never underestimate the spirit. So in ministry... We need to be big and fat. And yes, this is nuts. Next, I'm going to talk to you about being a disciple. And the best way to remember being a disciple is to look at the letters. D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. Disciple. We must have determinations to stay hold to our faith. That's the D, determination. The next one is intercession. I, intercession. We need to pray not only for ourselves, but on the behalf of others. In doing so, we are also a servant. That's a servant. That's our role in ministry. We're here to serve. It's a calling. And with that, we need to have a commitment. That's the C, commitment. It's not part-time. It's not this Sunday, yes. Next Sunday, no. It's all the time. We talked before about integrity. That's the I. That's your trustworthiness. You can be relied upon. You know, you'll have some difficult times. The P is perseverance. You need to be able to push ahead. The next one, L, is love. What's love? L-O-V-E. Let our voices encourage. Not only our voices, but also our actions. And finally, we let people know who God is. That's evangelism. That's the E, evangelism. So disciple, D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E, is determination, intercession, servant, commitment, integrity, perseverance, love, and evangelism. Now here's the summary of what we've talked about today. We talked about a lot of things today, and our topic was spiritual house cleaning. We talked about what being a Christian means, what do we mean by ministers, teachings and principles, pastoral epistles, how is a church leadership organized. We talked about understanding 1st of Timothy, chapter 3. We talked about actions from behaviors. We talked about the responsibilities of a church body. Number nine is how to find and recognize a false minister. Number 10, we talked about the importance of character in Christ. Then we talked about the character of integrity. We talked about we are in this together. That's part of the church body. 
the community. And then uh, we talked about we need to be big and fat. And yes, that's nuts. And then we talked about being a disciple. And that brings us to the end of the lesson. May God bless you. I hope this edifies you in the way that God intends. My name is David Ewing. I head up the Bravehearted Ministry. And this is the Resurrection Center.